Welcome to the Not Old Better Show on radio and podcast. I'm Paul Vogelzang, and as part of our Healthy Living interview series, our guest today is Colin Milner, and today's show is brought to you by Cachava, Elysium Health, and Athletic Greens. Please check out our show notes for more information about today's sponsors. Colin Milner is CEO of the International Council on Active Aging and founder of the active aging industry in North America. Colin Milner, who's been a popular guest on the Not Old Better show previously, is back to talk to us about ICAA research into the wellness industry and new opportunities to revitalize the lives of older adults. A big study, lots of great research. We will talk a little bit about Active Aging Week, too, which is coming up in October. More on that later. Many of you in our Not Old Better Show audience will know all about Colin Milner and his work at the organization he founded, the International Council on Active Aging. Colin Milner is also a leading authority on the health and well-being of the older adult. The World Economic Forum's network of global agenda councils recognized Colin Milner as one of the most innovative and influential minds in the world of aging-related topics. In our wide-ranging conversation and interview today about the wellness industry, Colin Milner will tell us about the discovery of wellness for older adults post-COVID and how it has infused the culture of senior living, active adult senior centers, and other places with a large population of older adults. We'll learn about plans for wellness programs, budgets, technology, and remodels, and how a culture of wellness helps organizations positioned to thrive with older adults. An award-winning writer, Colin Milner, has authored more than 300 articles, and we're so fortunate for his time today. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show Active Aging Series on radio and podcast, Colin Milner. Colin Milner, welcome back to the program. Well, thanks for having me, Paul. It's always a a pleasure to be back with you. Well, it is so good to talk to you always. My best to you and your family. Hope everybody's well, kind of post-COVID. And uh, I know your organization, ICA, is doing some great things. We're going to talk about that. But I, I, I just have to just jump right in and say my best to you and your family during this time. We're all kind of hard at it. And you guys are just uh, great examples of that. Well, I appreciate that. And the same to your family as well. Uh, as they say, it takes a village. And nowadays, <laughs> it actually takes more than a village. Probably it takes a world. Yeah, it does take a world. Well, good. Well, let's just jump in and talk about the new research from ICAA. It, the title of the research report, you've shared it with me very generously. Thank you for that. It's the ICAA State of the Wellness Industry 2022. It was just fascinating to read through this, and I know our audience is going to love this. One of the things that you you pose this wonderful question that I just I noticed right off the bat. You just simply say, "This is a quote: Shouldn't each individual's purpose filled and engaged life be the goal for everyone working at an organization with services for older adults?" I loved that quote, Colin Milner, and and I think we all are living longer. We're working longer. Uh, generally more active. I know you are very active, but some of the conclusions in your new report, the state of the wellness industry, indicate that not all of the organizations are quite there. They're not all quite on board yet. Why, why is that? Why do you think they're, are they not just seeing the light here? What What do you think the general uh, reason for that is? Well, Paul, the simple answer is behavior change. 
it's hard to change behavior. We know that. Uh, if we could get everybody exercising, the country would be so much better off, but there's only a small percentage of the population that exercises. Uh, and the reality is it, there has been billions of dollars spent in that over decades. So behavior change is one of the hardest things. And whether that is at a personal level, in your personal beliefs, so those that are running organizations, or whether it's at an organizational level through the culture of the organization, you know, really what you're talking about is getting people that are heading in one direction to move in another. And sometimes if they're a very large organization, it's like the Titanic, it's a big ship and it's turning and maybe they, they'll turn too late and they'll hit an iceberg or two, or they will be able to make that transition. Uh, I also look at it as the old 80-20 rule, and that is that they're really probably about 20% of organizations that are truly leading this charge, and the other 80% are playing catch-up. <laughs> mm-hmm. The pandemic certainly uh, took a toll on all of us, and 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 maybe in some ways there is a little bit of a, of a silver lining to this cloud because maybe some of the organization's are embracing wellness a little bit more, the notion of wellness. Are you seeing that in the research too? Oh, absolutely. Uh, You know, what has happened during the pandemic uh, is that organizations at the very start, especially those that were highly focused on healthcare, uh, kind of battened down the hatches, were busy getting PEP and all the other things that they needed to uh, make sure that people were safe. And one of the things that happened was that they put wellness on hold or on pause. And, And what we've seen is the impact that that has had. That is, people have become isolated. People have become lonely. People's cognitive abilities have diminished. Uh, some people have become frailer because all they've done is sat all day in front of a TV or uh, in, in meals or what have you because they haven't got out. So with that, we have seen the recognition that, hey, we can't just lock things down, we need to open them up safely, whether it's online or in person, to actually get people engaged again. Because not being engaged is being disengaged. And we know what happens when people are disengaged. They spiral downwards, their health spirals downwards. And we cannot afford that because that in itself becomes a pandemic. We know that in the midst of all of this, there's a a mental health pandemic going on as well. So uh, we have to respond cautiously, but wisely. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. In the report, which I uh, you shared with me, and and thank you again for that. I, th- I thought it was just fascinating. Wellness is undoubtedly a priority among among many organizations. It is definitely the eighty twenty rule, and and that comes out very clearly. But what are some of the other critical points that you found in your research? Because I, I want to talk about the well search, uh, the excuse me, the wellness in the research. But tell us a little bit about some of the other critical points that you uncovered. Well, you are right. Wellness is a priority right now. It's a high or essential priority for eighty one percent of respondents to our survey. And uh, what we have found is that uh, people are looking at all different things that are, one, creating barriers to wellness, and two, where where they're going to put their efforts. And of course, 
if your focus is on wellness, you're going to put it on lifestyle programs, which when we looked at the high and essential priorities that people say they're going to be focusing on, uh, on on-site lifestyle programs, activities, fitness, and so forth, tops elicit 88%. Of course, needless to say, finding staff is number two at 59%. And I think that's across all industries. So I think that people are, you know, wellness is now a priority, but they're still struggling. They're struggling to find funding because a lot of money has been spent on funding, uh, you know, PEP and um, uh, uh, new staff to help with uh, managing uh, the the uh, COVID crisis. Um, you know, ageism is still out there. 31% of our people see ageism as one of their top challenges. So there, you know, there's priorities and there are challenges. And sometimes they don't match up and sometimes they do. And uh, at the at the top of everything is emerging from COVID-19. And then, uh, you know, how do we fund what we want to do to move forward? And how do we overcome the ageist stereotypes that get in the way of doing that? Those are the top three challenges that that we see at this time. And now it's just a matter of how we overcome those within the areas that we are recognizing as priorities. The problem, Paul, is that sometimes our aspirations don't get implemented the way that they should. I'll give you a very simple example of that. And that is, you know, people talk about a wellness culture. And 90% of our respondents to a survey just prior to COVID-19, and I will guarantee it is probably the same or uh, worse, actually, at, at this time. But percent uh, said that it was extremely important that staff in every department supported a wellness culture. The problem is that less than half of the staff members actually achieve that. So we have in a wide variety of areas what I call wellness gaps, and that is aspiration versus implementation. And uh, I think as we merge or emerge from uh, the pandemic, uh, hopefully we emerge from the pandemic, uh, we need to close those gaps to do a better job of servicing the people that to, that provide their resources to enable us to do that. Well, clearly senior living is uh, an industry group that gets a, a, a lot of attention in the, in the research. And so let's, let's talk for a minute about senior living because that's on all of our minds it, and, and it should be. How is that? What is that going to look like? And maybe talk a little bit about the shift that's going to occur in, in senior living around wellness, maybe over the course of the next five years, two years even. What do you see? Well, this this is a shift that has been taking place for 20 years, and that is that 20 years ago when I first started, the definition of a wellness center in a senior living community was a small uh, room that had been allocated to become a wellness center because no one was using it. They put in donated fitness equipment, and it was unstaffed, and now all of a sudden you have a wellness center. It wasn't. However. 
over the years, uh, things have changed uh, through education. I believe we've played a part in that, uh, constantly educating people on the benefits of wellness, the benefits of wellness for older adults. So much so now that the same communities 20 years ago that simply had donated equipment in a small room now see transitioning their whole community towards a wellness model, 61% see themselves by 2025 having a wellness model with care, and in many instances, care on demand, uh, versus a care-based model with wellness. Big shift. Hey, it's Paul. I mentioned our sponsor today is Kachava, and I want to tell you all about Kachava, which is my all-in-one daily super blend. If you're worried you aren't getting all the nutrients you need or struggling, to stay on top of your health, then listen up because Kachava has you covered. Kachava puts everything your body needs in one glass so you can have it all. All of us in the Not All Better Show audience know we need these superfoods as we age. We need all the vitamins, all the omegas, all the adaptogens, all the greens, all the protein, and all the benefits for your gut, for your skin, your hair, your brain, your muscles, and your heart, your whole health especially as we age. No more compromise, no more guilt. No other nutrition shake does all this. The Kachava team traveled to the ends of the earth to source all the vitamins and crush it up. Kachava is a powder. You take two scoops, just add water, blend it up, and it tastes incredible. They have five delicious flavors. I really love the chocolate and vanilla, but chai is great too, and I've added it to my personal favorites. Look, I'm recording this first thing this morning, and I've already had my cachava for breakfast. Yesterday, I did the same, and it kept me full for hours. There's just no way I could get all these nutrients with my normal diet. Again, as we age, dear Not Old Better Show audience, we need this special blend of nutrients. Trying to manage all the supplements and ingredients you should be taking, it's overwhelming and expensive, but now... Kachava makes clean, organic, superfood nutrition accessible to everyone. Listen, I'll tell you, I'm loving Kachava, and you've got to go try Kachava for yourself. And right now, for a limited time, Kachava is offering 10% off to our Not Old Better Show audience. Go to kachava.com slash better. That's Kachava, spelled K-A-C-H-A-V-A dot com slash better. All this will be in our show notes. but. Go to Kachava.com and get 10% off your first order. That's Kachava.com slash better. Thanks, everybody. You know, our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I started taking AG1, Athletic Greens, because, and I don't mind telling you this, I wanted better gut health. Now, I've been on it for 10 weeks, and I love it. It tastes really great. It doesn't taste like it is super healthy, one of those kinds of products. It has this kind of mild, tropical taste that I actually look forward to each morning. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you are absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. 
all these things. I drink my athletic greens first thing in the morning before I take my supplements because it aids in my digestion as well as the absorption of all of the supplements, everything I take in the morning, including my breakfast. It tastes really good, as I say, and I've come to enjoy this routine and the many benefits like better digestion. As I say, that was really important to me. As a matter of fact, I really related to the Athletic Greens founder's story. Founder and CEO of Athletic Greens, Chris Ashenden experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement routine to recover. It cost him nearly $100 a day. So what did he do? He created Athletic Greens after experiencing how difficult it was to create an optimal nutrition routine on his own. That says a lot about him (laughs) and even more about the company because they've been incredibly successful and good at providing this trusted, great-tasting beverage. And it supports mental clarity and alertness, too. You cannot beat it. So right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. This is perfect for summer. These travel packs will be awesome for you. All you have to do is to visit athleticgreens.com slash N-O-B. All this will be in our show notes. But again, that is athleticgreens.com slash N-O-B to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional endurance. Thanks, everybody. We are with Colin Milner. Colin Milner is CEO of the International Council on Active Aging. The ICC has just published really an an excellent, very thorough report on the state of the wellness industry 2022. Colin Milner is joining us again, been on the show previously, talked to us about active aging week previously. That is a big theme of Colin Milner's is active aging. The organization, the International Council on Active Aging, is very involved with Active Aging Week. That's coming up October 3rd through 9th in uh, 2022, I believe, Colin. Is that is that uh, th- those dates still accurate? Those dates are accurate. We're thrilled to, you know, be delivering our 20th celebration for Active Aging Week. I, ca- I can't believe that it has been 20 years. You know, we started, Paul, with 100 organizations involved. Now we have about 3,500, uh, and we extrapolate that uh, based on the numbers that we know, uh, that about 700,000 people participate. So we are absolutely thrilled to play a part in just simply celebrating the contributions and capabilities of all individuals, but especially individuals over the age of 50. And we are thrilled once again to have Humana as our presenting partner. Congratulations on all of that. 20 years. that It's really a, uh, a wonderful thing that you do, but my gosh, so great to see 20 years of it and the people that just are uh, benefiting from it. Uh, really, you're, you're just, you just do some wonderful work, Colin. Well, I I appreciate that, Paul, but it's really less about me and more about the people who do all the implementation. Without them, 
we would be nowhere. Well, again, congratulations on that. We're going to stay in touch with you as October kind of rolls around. We're going to make sure and uh, promote Active Aging Week again to our audience. I want to get back to talking a little bit about the state of the wellness industry and talk to you for a second about wellness in the workplace. What did you learn about wellness in the workplace for older adults in preparing this research? Well, first, it is vital. It isn't. Re- it shouldn't really even be an option. To if you step back and think about it, why would you not want your employees to be healthy, well, and able to contribute at the highest level as possible? So you know the the reality is the benefit of wellness in the workplace is extremely high. The challenge is that some organizations don't make that commitment to it or make a poor commitment to it. We've seen that uh, within the senior living industry, as an example, and we've seen that uh, within the corporate wellness industry where people will dabble in what they call uh, corporate wellness but really, it's just simply kind of giving a facelift to an ugly pig. Uh, the The reality is is that when it comes to wellness, there's one word, no matter what environment you're in, that needs to occur to be successful, and that is commitment. Commitment to your employees, commitment to uh, your residents, commitment to your members, commitment to whoever it is that you are working with or or supporting. And and I think that for some that is missing, but for those that do have that commitment, wellness at a corporate level has great benefits to the organization and the individual. In terms of the wellness industry, what kind of new programs uh, will we see that are going to be focused on wellness that involve technology and and, and, and fitness and so important, the social aspect? Oh, you, you just said the magic word, technology. Technology and prescription. And when I say prescription or precision, precision and prescription. And that is the use of the technology to uh, monitor people 24-7 or what they call always-on uh, technology that will enable us to uh, manage our health and well-being and see the smallest, slightest changes that take place so that we can address those long before they become issues. Uh, you know, there's a report out by Deloitte uh, that isn't very old. It's about a year old. It said at the centerpiece of the future for the health and wellness uh, industry will be the person. We will become responsible for our own health and well-being. The reason the tools that we will have available will enable us to do that. We see that right now with things like wearables, but imagine that you're going to move from just simply having, let's say, your Apple Watch to biometric clothing to patches to smart pills uh, to all of these different elements that can help you live better longer without you even knowing it, and they'll they will alert you when you do need to know it and also alert those that support uh, that health process for yourself. Just fascinating stuff. On another subject, but still wellness-focused, and, and this, uh, this is really how you and I first kind of contacted each other, was about your active aging week and the fitness and exercise-related components of that. And you really have been this, this advocate 
talking about the fitness industry needs to really pay attention to heed a wake-up call, you've said, that concerning older adults and exercise, all that's just been, I thought, really positive. The fitness industry has taken a pretty big hit over the period of the pandemic. And I wonder if post-pandemic, are you seeing that the fitness industry is responding to older adults? Are they kind of doing some of these things that that uh, you've been advising them to do? I think it's too soon to really say. Uh, the fitness industry has responded in a variety of different ways, changing their models, moving online, uh, opening up facilities that are based outdoors, uh, trying to limit the number of people coming in. And what ended up happening at the very start of all of that was that inherently people were going, okay, well, uh, you know, older adults are at the highest risk and uh, we don't want those individuals coming in. Uh, and then we realized that, heck, everybody's at risk, um, you know, and, and the people who could benefit the most are actually older individuals. Uh, the also the reality is, is for all those uh, people who have been laid off and who haven't uh, been able to find a job, even though there are many jobs out there, uh, the population that has the actual discretionary income to participate in clubs and has a high desire to live a better, longer life at the stage of life that they are is the older population. So I, I think that to, if the clubs don't embrace them to the degree that they could or should, they will find somewhere else to, um, to, to go, whether it is a one-on-one -on -one training studio, whether it's a smaller studio, whether it's a YMCA, medical wellness center, parks and rec, Lots of places out there who are willing to take their money uh, and the clubs need to be part of that solution as well because the clubs are an important part of the solution. Mm -hmm. They just mm -hmm. need to realize it. And I do think that as the world is getting older, um, this notion of aging is no longer this abstraction. And um, I think we're all going to have to embrace this. I wonder on a on a bigger scale – as you look across the globe, what are some of the other countries, Canada, UK, come to mind? How are they doing this to be more supportive of an aged population? And, and what can we learn about how to better embrace aging in, in our communities to just do a better job of this? I think that that's a great question. And your very last word uh, or words there, I think, are at the heart of the response communities. How do we create communities where all people are valued and that all people are engaged and that we focus not just on connection, but on interdependence where we are depending young and old on each other, whether it is for learning, whether it's for mentoring, uh, and what have you. Now, this is occurring uh, all around the world. Uh, you have traditional places like Japan and China uh, and Indian countries like that, that in the past have really um, revered their older population. But you also see that uh, part of that in the West is also shifting as older people are becoming healthier, uh, con to contribute to society, can continuing to contribute to tax uh, dollars, uh, continue, continuing to, uh, to, to contribute 
to consumerism. I think that uh, as we see more people engaged, our our thought process changes. But to answer your question, uh, I think you look at places like uh, the Nordic countries. Um, you look at places like the Asian countries. I think they have a different perspective on health and well-being than we do. So let me give you an example. In China, uh, they have where you can actually uh, have a younger person come and walk with you and spend time with you, and you bank that money money being time, so that uh, when you are older, as the younger person, you can bank that money. And uh, as you become older, then you have someone that is able to do that. Now, out in the Western cultures, we begin to see uh, organizations like Papa's and all of that that have emerged to try and fill those kind of roles. Um, but, But the reality is, until we get rid of our ages thinking, no matter where we are in the world, the challenges will be similar. Uh, it, it, as, an exa- as an example in Japan, what the, uh, I think it was the Ministry of Health, I can't remember which one, did to create connections and interdependence and also support physical activity was to reward individuals who were out doing Tai Chi to connect with their fellow uh, neighbors. And one of the reasons why was because of the lack of caregivers. And they figured that if people relied on each other, it would make for a healthier uh, aging process for all of the neighborhood. So they incentivized people with food. So there's lots of different things that are going on, but I think there's lots of great things going on in North America as well. We just need to find them and recognize them and bring them to the forefront so others can learn from them. I know you a little bit, and uh, I certainly have enjoyed my my time getting to know you. You're a very optimistic person, and so I, I have a pretty good sense as to the answer to this question, but I, I want to just wrap things up and just have you kind of sum up the report, but just tell us, are you optimistic about wellness as a goal for, for industry and for all of us? Oh, absolutely. I, I think mm-hmm. that, number one, uh, if you, I, I'm a firm believer in the word, what if? Every time I see the word, what if, I, I look at it and I realize we can, we come to a crossroads when we ask that uh, question and we can go in one direction or another. And I asked the question, what if we had a healthier, older population? How would that impact the way we go about living, the way we work, the way we provide opportunities, the products and services, education, all of those different elements? And what is happening is that we are getting a healthier, older population that is living longer. Still, we have a, a, a great distance to go, but people are now living with chronic health diseases at 20 years ago when you would hear chronic health disease, it was like, oh no, you can't do anything because you've got this chronic issue. Now people are living and thriving and creating and delivering new experiences all around uh, what people can do because they still are doing things. So I have great hope for the future. I think the only thing that uh, dims that hope is 
how business responds. And you would think that business would respond rapidly to billions of people around the world that need their services, but they still are fixated on a younger population. And I think until we get over the ages thinking within the marketplace, our progression will be driven by individuals instead of the businesses that support those individuals. Well said, Colin Milner. Of course, our guest today is the CEO of the International Council on Active Aging. This wonderful report is available uh, along with a bunch of great products and services at the ICAA.cc website. We're going to put links to where you can find out more about the report. There's a great checklist that I found about the wellness opportunity in the back of the report. You'll have to check that out too. And we'll have links where you can find out more information about Active Aging Week and Colin Milner. But Colin Milner, my best to you. Thanks for all of your work on this subject. We'll uh, do our part, absolutely share this and uh, help promote wellness because I think that's that's really uh, what we all need to be doing. And uh, thank you for all your work doing that. Well, I appreciate that, Paul. And I'll leave you with this very quick thought. And that is the only people who don't appreciate wellness are typically people who are well. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh god i you know i could talk to you for a long time colin milner and uh my best to you we're talking on a friday afternoon i hope you have a great weekend but i know we'll be talking again well thank you paul and uh you too have a great weekend my thanks to colin milner ceo of international council on active aging and founder of the active aging industry in north america Please check out our show notes today for information about our sponsors, which I'm so thankful for, too. That's Kachava, Elysium Health, and Athletic Greens. Remember, Active Aging Week is coming up this October. More about that later. But thank you, Colin, for your work, your willingness to join us today. My thanks to you, our wonderful Not Old Better show audience. Please, let's think about eliminating assault rifles. Assault rifles are wrong. And our children are suffering because of them. Let's eliminate them. Remember, stay safe, everyone. Practice all of the wonderful things about active aging. And let's talk about better. The Not Old Better Show on radio and podcast. Thanks, everybody. 